0: Hello everyone and welcome to the donkey's garage, you're listening to episode 1 part 2. On this section I want to discuss the new cars for the 2022 F1 season. To begin with, let's quickly cover the main changes of the new regulation in place for the upcoming season and what it's trying to pursue. In plain words, the FIA, jointly with the F1, wanted to make Formula 1 more affordable. In order to achieve such aim, there was set a budget cap of $140 million dollars. It is no wonder that money has a very direct influence on the performance of teams. Of course, it is the case that big teams with big pockets will have the resources to finance more and better research and development, allowing them to bring updates to each venue and ultimately having the edge at every racetrack. Perhaps one would also throw to the discussion the fact that money can buy talent and talent means hunt for better and more qualified engineers. For instance, we may think of Adrian Newitt at Red Bull, James Key at McLaren, or James Allidowson at Mercedes. This was also the case in the past, for instance, Ross Brawn, Pat Simmons, and of course, Paddy Lowe, all of them key figures of the world of Formula 1, for having created some of the most feared beasts of all times. It should not come as a surprise that these men are most desired by competitors and thus many team principals will be willing to offer a great deal of money for their talent. However, that said, while their talent is beyond question, I personally think that teams should not be over-reliant on these figures as new generations of people from outside the world of Formula 1 can offer equal or even better performance compared to these people. On the one hand, hunting for talent from outside the pool of Formula 1 would allow teams to adopt and incorporate technologies that might be a standard in other industries which have not yet been incorporated into the world of Formula One, which is what we tend to call cross fertilization of knowledge. And on the other hand, newer generation of engineers need to be given the opportunity to surprise the teams with their ingenious designs. For example, teams like Red Bull or Mercedes that have had an unquestionable allegiance to one man may be limiting the scope of their possibilities. Their role within the structure is of course well defined and with that comes respect, which is an essential ingredient to a winning team. I presume that under each of these people a significant team of engineers made up of the best the industry can offer will be working to create the fastest car. But again, I see here a problem with a glass ceiling where the top of the hierarchy remains intact over the years and younger talents may found somewhat difficult to achieve greater levels of responsibility. Leaving aside the matter of the budget cap, the main addition through the new regulation is the return of the diffuser. The new regulation in essence shifts the importance of aerodynamics from being created through the upper body of the car to the section being created through the diffuser. By way of context, in essence, what we saw in the past was an issue with cars being able to follow one another. The recurring complaint is as follows. As car got closer, the amount of dirty air generated by the car, what we tend to call the wake, would make the pursuing car struggle for downforce. As the pursuing car would lose downforce, the driver would indeed lose pace and struggle to overtake. In simpler words, it appears that the cause for what seemed at times a procession was mainly the design of the cars themselves. Through the new regulation, the Formula 1 and the AFIA are trying to enable cars to follow one another in an easier manner in order to promote the spectacle that is of course overtaking on track. As I have said before, I'm not an engineer so my analysis is devoid of any technical meaning. All I can say is that I understand that the design of the new cars is going to focus around pushing the air beneath the car towards the diffuser decreasing the importance of the upper body of the car and of course providing the rear wing with a new role which is essentially to push the air upwards so as to avoid the car that is following closely. Enough said about these technicalities. Let's now move on onto the new cars recently unveiled for the 2022 season. The first car to be unveiled was the Haas with a relatively timid design what first struck me was the size of the intake located on the side pods. instantly I thought well that's not going to work that, those are too small from a technical perspective engineers speak of the design language of this car as focusing around the side pods, pushing the air towards the outside away from the rear tires at the front what we see is a nose located considerably higher Um, compared to previous years of course this is the same case in all all the cars as the underbody of the car is where the focus has now shifted so the air will now travel beneath the car onto the diffuser to generate as much downforce as possible overall the livery of the car continues with the same livery as last year keeping the same title sponsor and of course the white red and blue dominate the surface of the car As for Aston Martin, it was actually the second cast to be released but truly it was the first one that brought new elements to the table especially I'm thinking about those side spots that were really stretched to the back with the cuts on the side really mimicking a shark it gave the impression that it was an aggressive uh, design it was different from what we had seen in the past the nose was sitting very very tall compared to to previous years even higher than that of the uh, Haas at least on the pictures and when we look at the back we saw a very big um, rear wing that was actually quite impressive to look at especially with the design it was a bit um, curving and, and it was truly truly impressive to look at The side of the cars again are the the side pods were removed. The batch boards, what we call batch boards last year, were removed. So now it's a bit of a cleaner design. Still, you can see the teams are still trying to work around and recreate batch boards with different areas of the car, but really to achieve the same purpose. Now, what about Red Bull? In essence, say that the car they showed was simply a copy paste of the car that was unveiled by Formula One early in 2021 to show fans how the cars for 2022 would look like. Now, of course, we must understand that the real Red Bull will be seen at the Barcelona testing, or if that is not the case, it will definitely be seen at the Bahrain testing. And now that we speak about Red Bull, of course, one will wonder what about its sister car, the Alpha Tauri. Well, of course, there's been ongoing talks about how the two brands want to differentiate one another. But there is, of course, a strong resemblance and a strong partnership between the two teams. And this is, of course, because Alpha Tauri is owned by Red Bull so regarding AlphaTauri what we see is a car that doesn't struck me as a beautiful car it doesn't strike me as a particularly innovative car either it simply seems to be a conventional approach to designing very much a copy paste again of what the promotional car unveiled by the F1 early in 2021. So again, I would come to the same conclusion as for Red Bull. I would imagine they are simply showing what the livery looks like and later on they will actually unveil the real car on track. And this proposition is actually reaffirmed by the fact that today at the Barcelona testing, the Alfa went On track and the nose that they are running is different from that which they showed on the promotional car. So I think it is fair to say that all these cars we are seeing at the promotional events are only there to show sponsors what the car looks like and to generate excitement among fans and of course upbeat. I personally think that attractive cars tend to be winning cars. Applying the principle of biomimicry. And here it's not the case, only time will confirm whether this statement is actually true. Perhaps the most attractive cars have been the Mercedes and the Ferrari, which combine, they throw a different take to the 2022 season as they incorporate very interesting and unique designs. And what do I mean by unique? What I mean is innovative. That is what Formula One is all about innovation. Especially I'm thinking about Ferrari, which seems to be one step ahead in trying new technologies. The Mercedes perhaps is a bit more conventional in that it builds on what the team has already tested in previous years, especially when we look at the sides of the car, where the side pods plunges quickly onto the floor. In terms of livery, I was glad to see the return of silver as the color of the car for the Mercedes. I have never been a big fan of the silver arrows being painted black. While I understand the reason for doing so, I do not think the livery of the car should be a place to do such a political statement. As I have expressed earlier, I do not want to see Formula 1 turned into a Tribune for political statements of any nature. The McLaren, however, was a huge disappointment for me. I am frustrated with how the car looks like as I was a big fan of the car last year. This year, they incorporated the lighter shade of blue in order to reflect the sponsor, Golf, which joined the team last year. And of course, they ran a special livery at the Monaco Grand Prix, which was a beautiful livery. And I wonder, how could you do such a beautiful livery and now do such a messy livery? It seems the team was trying to pursue a similar design language to that of the Monaco Grand Prix without being exactly the same. In my opinion, they have completely failed at making The car looked beautiful. It doesn't look sophisticated. It doesn't look smug. The design language is all over the place. To me it doesn't look appealing. It seems a bit of a fruity chewing gum where the different colors are mixed together without really speaking the same language. I was especially disturbed by the fact that the same lines do not go anywhere. They start somewhere, go across the panels and continue into the unknown without really meeting another line over a specific area. They don't either highlight any specific area of the car as you would expect. In terms of what the car incorporates from a technical perspective, a relevant aspect is the matter of the push roads and the pull rods. They have indeed been inverted. That means that traditional push roads were located at the front, where now have been moved to the back and vice versa. The car seems to be particularly heavy on the shoulders as it is where the engine bay is located. By analysing the Aston Martin, the McLaren, the Mercedes and the William, which are all running Mercedes engine, we notice that the Mercedes engine is particularly voluminous in width, taking into account of course the radiators which are sitting on each side of the engine. As the Mercedes engine moves towards the rear, so that is where the gearbox is placed, the area shrinks. The engineers have created an area that follows onto the rear wing and this area actually houses the gearbox and the rear suspension together. There is however indeed a slight difference in the Aston Martin design as there is a bulb at the back of the car that is not there on the other cars. From looking where it sits I think it must be a part of the gearbox and the suspension. We actually saw the same bulb on the Mercedes cars last year's, however the Mercedes has removed this bulb in this year's cars. I am of course very surprised that the Aston Martin team did not consider getting rid of the ball which seems to disturb the airflow and just made the back of the car slightly more voluminous as all competitors have chosen to do. One can only conclude that the Aston Martin team have considered more appropriate to make the pods stretch all the way to the back and still keep this bulb. If we look at the pods closely we notice that they stretch all the way almost to the rear suspension while at the same time have a negative slope as they drop downwards as they get closer to the rear. That being so, making the rear more in tune with the McLaren and the Mercedes would not have solved the issues of the bulb as it is located ever slightly higher. This is to me quite a mystery as to what this area is all about. Usually in Formula 1, one would try to achieve the slickest design in order to maximise the airflow. From an engineering perspective, the shape of a drop of water seems to be the most efficient aerodynamically speaking. Indeed if we look at a car from the top we notice that the overall shape resembles that of a drop of water, but the McLaren jointly with the Mercedes, instead of going for a very thin rear of the car, they opted instead for a significantly more voluminous area where the inside of it would appear to be hollow so as to allow to channel the hot air being accumulated within the engine bay and push it backwards toward the rear of the car onto the rear wing and use this hot air to generate more downforce. Lastly, we must speak about the Alpine team. Personally, I'm a big fan of Fernando Lanz. I started watching Formula 1 when he was at the peak of his career. He was the man that overthrew the Kaiser, the almighty Kaiser, Michael Schumacher. He was the man that seemed unstoppable. Some unfortunate decisions however placed him at the wrong time, at the wrong place. Perhaps he was overly ambitious at times. Perhaps he was unable to rally the morale of the team. Whichever the reason is, he hasn't been at the right time, at the right place for quite some years. But all this should change. With his return to Formula One. His return to Formula One was promised to be one with meaning and what do I mean by meaning? I mean that he should not be returning to Formula One to battle for sixth or seventh place. He should come back to Formula One only if he's battling for first place for a championship. Just as Fernando Alonso rejoined the world of Formula 1, the Renault team was rebranded into Alpine. The success as an engine manufacturer needs not to be reinstated. It was the Renault engine that made Red Bull and Sebastian Vettel win 4 consecutive titles. Although the hunger for victory on the French Quarters, as both engine manufacturer and as a team, has now gone to a higher level. Getting Fernando Alonso to join back the team where he once became two world champion was undoubtedly a publicity stunt. The team since 2019 has suffered a great deal of changes. The man that was originally trusted with rebuilding the team resigned at the end of 2019. And of course I'm speaking about Cyril Abidbull. Laurent Rossi joined the team as Alpine CEO, replacing Cyril Abidbull the new hierarchy of the team hired new talent from inside and outside the world of Formula 1 and of course I mean Davide Brivio, coming from MotoGP. Only just last week, Otmar Saffenhauer was announced as team principal of the Alpine F1 team. Hopefully these changes are now over and the team can really focus on delivering the promise of snatching a victory and hopefully a title. And as I said in part one, I'm not a big fan of changes in the world of Formula 1 as they rarely foreshadow a shiny horizon. If we look at the past, the most successful teams have usually been those with more stable structures. So, we can only hope. The new Alpine car was unveiled in two different modes, in two different liveries actually. For two venues the car will run pink livery, reflecting the colours of the new sponsor BWT. For the rest of the season the car will run a livery combining both the classic blue from Alpine and the pink from the sponsor. The former livery, I mean the, the one with full pink looks horrible to look at, the one that combines both blue and pink I can get behind. But in general pink on an F1 car to me doesn't look attractive but I mean those are talks that are usually spoken in terms of money not in terms of uh, appearance. So that is really beyond the question. But historically, when we look at pink cars, I'm thinking right now of the 2017 uh, Force India with it being pink, it looked horrendous. And of course, I think about the Aston Martin in 2021, combining green and pink. The green, I like that shade of green. The pink, no thank you. So hopefully they find a way to make pink look attractive. Overall I must say I'm very excited about the new cars hitting the track. I think all the teams have indeed done a great job at bringing some revolutionary, fresh, insightful and innovative interpretation to the new regulation. I must especially applaud the teams such as Ferrari and Mercedes for having delivered quite a combination of both technical design and delivery design. I am also very excited to see what Red Bull really has got to bring to the table. As always, I would remain relatively sceptical about the beginning of the season for this team as they usually are a bit slow to to begin. Traditionally, the Red Bull team has been a bit slow at the beginning of each season, delivering cars that struggle significantly more than the rest of its competitors at the front. Although the truth is that as the season goes by, usually Red Bull is able to bring uh, valuable updates that put them right at the front of the package with a very competitive car to fight for victories. And of course, uh, usually it takes them, I'm thinking about four or five races, usually towards uh, the Hungry race. Their car is usually um, f- a fully grown car, fully competitive car. So, and personally, being a big fan of Ferrari, I look forward for this new car they unveiled, this new Challenger. Unfortunately, as a Ferrari fan, the last years have been quite diff- difficult years to to watch. Huge disappointment, especially when we look at 2017-2018. Uh, but hopefully there was a bit of a ray of sunshine last year. The car seemed to be improving. And the two drivers I are amazing indeed. They are very talented drivers and I am sure they will be able to develop the car and bring it to the front of the field. And as a final note, I would like to conclude by recalling the words of Enzo Ferrari, who said, racing cars are neither beautiful nor ugly. They become beautiful when they win. And I think this is absolutely true. So hopefully on that note, we can assume that the Ferrari is going to be the title winner for the year 2022 and on that note i would like to thank everyone who've listened to this second part of the podcast and i look forward to bringing new information in the coming weeks as the season starts to slowly take pace thank you very much to everyone and this was another episode of the donkey's garage goodbye <whistles>